1: Hi there, and welcome again to the Explaining History podcast. Um, today I'm going to talk about the endgame for the British campaign in the Middle East uh, in 1918 against the Ottoman Empire. Um, by late 1918, it was increasingly clear that the Central Powers had uh, a very short time left to wage the war. Following the fall of Bulgaria in late September uh, 1918, um, the entire eastern part of the uh, central powers began to waver and crumble. The problem with losing Bulgaria was that oil supplies from Romania uh, were uh, imperiled to um, Austria and Germany. They also put the Ottoman Empire in a very difficult position as well. The Ottoman Empire fought a surprisingly good war. The British and the French, in uh, typical colonial fashion, had written off the Turkish army however under the guidance of uh, german officers and retooled with uh, german weapons uh, the the turkish army from 1912 onwards reorganizes itself into an impressive fighting force disasters inflicted upon the british and the french at gallipoli and on the british and uh, indian soldiers at kut alamara um, in uh, 1916 both show that the uh, ottoman empire had a lot of fight left in it. However, 1916 is really the high point of uh, Ottoman power uh, and um, fighting prowess in the Middle East. And from thereafter, uh, there is a period of steady decline. Um, The uh, campaigns that the Ottomans fought against the British had cost them uh, irreplaceable troops. Uh, One of the great... uh, Strengths of the British Army during the war is its ability using domestic and colonial troops to keep replenishing itself. In the two theatres where the British were chiefly concerned, Palestine and Mesopotamia, uh, the British were able to uh, pour in resources, and they had marched on Jerusalem in November and December 1917. Though the opposition then had been determined and had cost the British eighteen thousand casualties. Um, the next big offensive um, in Palestine, uh, Megiddo, uh, was in September 1918, and this swept away Ottoman resistance. Uh, there was a swift rout, and three-quarters of the enemy's forces uh, were captured. So between December 1917 and September 1918, there had been a, a decline in the uh, manpower of both armies, in order to satisfy the needs of other theatres and other, other fronts. Um, but the Ottomans ran their forces down uh, far greater. One of the things that lures the Ottomans away from the uh, fights with the British is the potential for a, a vast land grab on the northern border with Russia as a result of the October Revolution in October 1917. Um, from February 1918 onwards, the Ottomans were marching into the Russian Transcaucasia, and this uh, fragmented into Armenia, Azerbaijan, and Georgia. Um, half the army was in the region by September 1918, um, including some of the best fighting units. And it looks as if if there was one great strategic blunder by the Ottomans during the war. This surely must have been it. Um, The Palestine force that the Ottomans uh, had um, had lost its German advisors um, and its most able um, officers um, as a result of the needs of the uh, German army uh, during 1918, specifically the Ludendorff offensives on the Western Front. In order to deal with the Ludendorff Offensive, the Egyptian Expeditionary Force, uh, led by uh, General Allenby, uh, had to transfer basically two infantry divisions um, and 23 uh, battalions, nine regiments, as well as artillery and other equipment, to the Western Front. Uh, And in return, they were given 54 uh, Indian battalions. Uh, though many of those had not seen any military service so far. Um, They were poorly trained um, and didn't have the skills for specialised tasks, such as uh, signalling demolitions, artillery or um, gunning, machine gunning. Um, So Allenby was worried that this would hold up the advance um, and damage the British Uh, standing uh, in Egypt, which perhaps the British were not fully aware of, but their standing in Egypt was uh, fairly abysmal and would remain so until the British left Egypt finally in the 1950s. So uh, in David Stevenson's brilliant book, With Our Backs to the Wall, which explains um, the final year of fighting, 1918, he quotes Allenby saying, the situation in Egypt is that we are surrounded by an alien and unfriendly people. The natives are nearly all anti British. Allenby requested to see whether uh, Japan, an ally of Britain, uh, would deploy troops to the Middle East, uh, to which there was um, a surprise at Whitehall and an almost resounding no. Um, the understanding that the British had fairly accurately of Japan was that Japan was interested in its own uh, theatre within the, uh, the Pacific and Asia and very little else. The desperate British government in London uh, was determined to transfer as many troops as possible to the Western Front and were hoping to move um, the final all-British division uh, that Allenby had and also uh, the Australian Mounted Division. Uh, which had been of of immense use during the uh, campaigns in Egypt and and Palestine. And Allenby was frank in his estimations and said that ultimately this would uh, constitute a serious risk. There would be too few troops to um, hold the line or to maintain contact with The Arab revolt of T.E. Lawrence in the Hejaz, which is now Saudi Arabia, Uh, and that um, there was the possibility even of losing Egypt, uh, perhaps from a a revolt within Egypt or a successful Ottoman uh, expedition into Egypt. Uh, And this would, of course, have deprived the British of the control of the Suez Canal. Had this happened, then the British Empire would certainly have been fragmented or even lost. Allenby got to keep his troops, and then during the summer of 1918, when there was comparatively little action, um, the troops got to, to rest and train, um, the Indian soldiers um, were brought up to a, a level of skill that would have been uh, important to for the, for the forthcoming campaign, and the Turkish troops um, were and on the other side of the line um, didn't have any of these kinds of, of benefits. The material strains upon the Ottoman Empire were showing, and the Turkish army was um, suffering from a kind of uh, attrition due to hunger and illness. One key thing that comes up here, and I was writing about this for a magazine article the other year, it was the, the the public health initiatives that were were happening at at the time, or the kind of military health initiatives, particularly regarding malaria. So the British Army drained swampland and made sure that their troops stationed in the Jordan Valley. Uh, were um, protected from malaria. The Ottomans didn't do this. Previously, in other campaigns during the Boer War, for example, um, the Royal Army Medical Corps and uh, medical officers in, in general were seen as a kind of an annoying inconvenience. Um, you go back as far as the Crimea, and the Crimea is the the moment in which that um, medicine. Uh, as a kind of a means of fighting war, keeping the troops fit and healthy so that they can uh, wage war, uh, becomes a key public issue. More people, uh, more soldiers are lost to typhus and cholera in the, col- in the Crimean War uh, than any other cause. And it was only during the First World War when uh, suddenly there was such an enormous demand for manpower that everybody counted, every, individ- every man counted, that suddenly generals begin to listen to doctors. And you have uh, people like uh, Douglas Hagen, Sir John French, actually inviting uh, uh, colonels from the Royal Army Medical Corps to dinner to talk to them because they understood, uh, it began to dawn on them, that um, cholera um, was just as dangerous, or malaria was just as dangerous to uh, winning or losing the campaign as the enemy. Fresh troops and uh, adequate health care and food meant that by September of 1918, they, uh, the Egyptian Expeditionary Force enjoyed a two-to-one um, advantage in manpower over the uh, Ottoman forces. This was meant they had 12,000 cavalry, 57,000 infantry, 540 artillery pieces, Against 3,000 uh, cavalry, 26,000 troops, and 370 cannons, respectively. And the British also managed to command uh, Prince Faisal, uh, of, later of Iraq, but Prince, Prince Faisal, um, his northern Arab army um, that was uh, principally under the control of or the orders of um, Edmund Allenby but was um, advised by T.E. Lawrence um, and his um, other liaison officers. And this meant that the Arab revolt could be coordinated from um, Allenby's headquarters. Now, at this time, many of the key deceptions of the British um, regarding the outcome of the Arab revolt was starting to become increasingly clear. Uh, Sharif Hussein of Mecca, Faisal's father, who um, had been given certain uh, ambiguous uh, guarantees um, by uh, British officer Henry McMahon, um, which were also um, contrary to the Sykes-Picot Agreement, which had offered Syria and Lebanon to France and
0: So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today.
1: Um, And also um, the emergence in late 1917 of the the Balfour Declaration, which had uh, offered to create a Jewish homeland in Palestine, um, ran contrary to what Sharif Hussein believed that he had been promised Um, which was a united Arab nation. The British, eventually becoming uh, disconcerted with Sharif Hussein's um, complaints, as they saw it, decided that it might be better to back his rival, Ibn Saud, who would later form the Kingdom of Saudi Arabia. However... As the uh, troop numbers dwindled for Allenby, he suddenly began to look upon the contribution of the Arabs as being more and more important. Losing men to the Western Front had given the Arabs a little bit more leverage. Um, So the Arabs had managed to kill, wound or capture, or simply immobilise in the desert by destroying trains. 25,000 Ottoman soldiers but the weakening uh, bonds between uh, Allenby and Sharif Hussein uh, and Faisal um, meant that there was uh, a time pressure involved in finally breaking the Ottoman Empire. Um, Allenby, relying on the Arab contribution, started to see that the Arab contribution might be withdrawn at some point in the not-too-distant future. On the 19th of September, 1918, Allenby's attack on the Ottomans in the remainder of Palestine and um, Jordan began. Not only were the Ottoman forces outnumbered on the ground, but also the British had air superiority, and they were able to use infantry... Superior tactics from Allenby, who had managed to convince the Ottomans he was going to march inland, whereas in reality he marched up the coast, Um, and the use of um, a horse division, uh, mounted division, uh, in order to surround the Ottomans. Um, By the end of the first three days of the offensive, the Turkish uh, command and control Um, at uh, Nazareth had collapsed. And by the 21st of September, um, 25,000 prisoners from the Turkish 8th Army had been uh, captured. And both the 7th and the 4th Turkish armies um, had fled into disorganised chaos. The um, Arab forces under uh, uh, Sharif Hussein uh, had at that point managed to destroy The railway line to Damascus, so the retreat couldn't even be done via train. It had to be done on foot. The city of Damascus was captured on the 1st of October, uh, with British troops uh, marching uh, marching in. And then by the 8th of October, uh, the city of Beirut had fallen to the British. And this meant that the British now had both Haifa, in Palestine and Beirut in what would uh, soon be uh, Lebanon um, as sources of um, docks and ports for uh, British warships. The scale of the victory and the rapidity of the victory had exhausted Allenby's army. Supply lines were overstretched. 75,000 troops in total had been captured, including three and a half thousand German soldiers. Um, And this was uh, out of an army of about 105,000, and this meant that um, Allenby had to pause. The Turks were able to dig in at Aleppo, creating uh, another line of defences to uh, keep the, uh, the British at bay, hoping that they could drag it out into a long war of attrition. The total British losses for the campaign were 5,666, which uh, David Stevenson rightly points out could have been suffered by the British army on the Western Front in in one day. Um, The British started with uh, bigger numbers and they were better equipped. But surely some credit has to go to Allenby for the skill um, with which he managed to outmaneuver the Ottomans uh, and to effectively encircle their armies. Perhaps looking through the history of the British Army in the First World War, um, the campaign to seize Damascus might be looked at as uh, the British Army's uh, most successful initiative. The situation in Mesopotamia, um, what would now be modern-day Iraq, was really quite different. Not only had the government deprioritised the British army in Mesopotamia uh, in favour of Allenby in Palestine, uh, but there were a number of key logistical um, problems and difficulties already there pre-existing. That said the problems that faced the Turks were vastly greater in Mesopotamia, uh, and this is what decides the outcome. So um, in early 1918, General Jan Smuts, the South African statesman um, and later um, Prime Minister, decided um, that uh, at the British War Cabinet, that the army in Mesopotamia, led by General Sir William Marshall, uh, should not be as uh, prioritised as Allenby's forces, um, and that Mesopotamia was perhaps something of a sideshow. In 1918, uh, General Marshall um, was also forced to divide his forces between Mesopotamia and sending some, sending some of them. To support um, one of the British Army's real kind of sideshows in Persia uh, and the kind of the, the the north end of the Caspian Sea, um, which was uh, run by uh, General Lionel Dunsterville, referred to as Dunster Force. the forces in Mesopotamia had to send a supply line of 750 lorries. Um, which tied up nearly all of the Mesopotamian army's transport um, and uh, and send those full of supplies and equipment and sometimes troops all the way to reinforce Dunstafforce in uh, northern Persia. The uh, terrain, having been there myself, is notoriously difficult and and, and mountainous and, and problematic, for, for anybody uh, traversing uh, that region, uh, let alone so uh, let alone a force on in kind of rickety trucks in, in 1918, the problem therefore was uh, in dealing with the uh, Ottoman forces uh, in that area. But the crises that uh, the Ottoman Empire had gone into uh, in the, the previous 18 months uh, was really quite telling. In 18 months, um, 18 months earlier in um, mid-1916, as I said, the Ottoman Empire dealt Britain a terrible blow at Kut Alamara, besieging the British army um, and eventually forcing its, its uh, surrender with terrible suffering uh, in, involved, and um, but by late 1918, the entire garrison um, in um, in um, Mesopotamia uh, eventually surrendered to General Marshall. Um This is 15,000 troops um, when he marched um, up the Euphrates River. Um, and in April 1917, um, 17,000 Turkish troops had already died of uh, disease and hunger. And what that tells you is that these outposts of the Ottoman Empire, were, um, where large numbers of men were dying of starvation and dying of disease, were really kind of canaries in the mine for the Ottoman Empire itself. They were the ones that showed the ill health of the Ottoman Empire overall. Uh, economically uh, and um, strategically. Following the surrender of Bulgaria, it became clear to the British that the Ottomans might seek terms at any time, and therefore um, Marshall should should now strive to capture as much territory uh, as possible, um, always useful when you're entering peace negotiations. Marshall said that um, the transport shortages as a result of the Dunster force um, made it very difficult to uh, make it all the way up the Tigris or the Euphrates River. Um, and the cabinet was desperate to seize Mosul at all costs. I think I've mentioned before uh, Lloyd George's obsession with Mosul, knowing what came out of the ground there, principally oil. Um, the British had made it as, as far uh, up the um, the Tigris River as uh, Tikrit, famously the birthplace of Saddam Hussein. And the uh, battle north of Tikrit on the 23rd to the 24th of October um, saw the uh, Turks once again outflanked and defeated. On the 30th, the Turkish armistice was signed and the entire force at, T- at um, uh, on the River Tigris surrendered. And the, sixth army, the Turkish Sixth Army was uh, all but destroyed at this point. Um, 11,000 prisoners uh, were taken by the British, um, who had lost 1,866 troops into the uh, bargain. Um, And they managed to seize Mosul, which was the central town in the uh, Mesopotamian uh, oil region, which fell into British hands and was perhaps the, the greatest material prize of the entire war. OK, well, thanks. I hope you found that useful. And we'll be returning to the First World War in the Middle East, no doubt, in the near future. Um, please, if you can, uh, check out our Patreon page. Um, the podcast really runs in a shoestring and every donation helps. And uh, we're in one of those lean periods at the moment. So, um, yes, give us a, um, a look on the Patreon page if you can. Uh, Thanks very much. And I'll catch you on the next Explaining History podcast. All the best. Bye-bye. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve
0: better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter.